All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. When you collect this much content on the entire world, you give the people who control that database the ability to paint anybody as a criminal. From WNYC, this is New Tech City, where digital gets personal. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This week, well, it's confusing. I saw the movie Citizen Four. It's that documentary by Laura Poitras about Ed Snowden. You know, the real Ed Snowden, behind the scenes. The guy who seems like he's trying to be Jason Bourne when he sends her these encrypted emails. I am a senior government employee in the intelligence community. I hope you understand that contacting you is extremely high risk. For now, know that every border you cross, every purchase you make... You're hearing Laura Poitras reading one of those first emails that Ed Snowden sent her. And that's the only time that you hear from her in the entire movie. In the hands of a system whose reach is unlimited, but whose safeguards are not. And the best part of the film is those claustrophobic eight days in a Hong Kong hotel room with the -the on-the-run Ed Snowden and the hyped-up Glenn Greenwald and the elder Guardian journalist Ewan McCaskill, who kind of shows up in the middle of it all and is trying to catch up. Uh, Sorry, I don't know if you're named. Sorry, uh, my name is Edward Snowden. Uh, I go by Ed. Um, Edward Joseph Snowden is the full name. The film is crazy intense. You feel paranoid just watching it. In one scene before typing in a password, Snowden puts this red cloak over his head in his laptop, and you want to start laughing like, Jesus, this guy has completely lost it. But then you think, damn, should I be crawling under a red cape anytime I log into my bank account or I do anything that I'd like to keep remotely private? And after seeing the movie, I was like, yeah. It is time to live the encrypted life. We should all be living the encrypted life. Even if we have nothing to hide, it's a matter of liberty and freedom. So, sitting in front of my laptop the other night, I tried what I thought could be a simple first step. Sending an encrypted email. Okay, so I thought I was going to be all funny and send my husband an encrypted email from downstairs in the kitchen. But I just looked up what I need... And I need um, GNU privacy card in the form of GPG tools or a GPG4 win um, plus Thunderbird or Postbox for desktop email. It turns out there's just really no point in my sending encrypted mail because no one I correspond with has set up their own encrypted mail. Then there's really no point to doing it. So... Yeah, it's still just too damn hard. And rather than figuring it out, 
I cleaned out the dishwasher and I ate a tangerine. And that's what most of us do, right? Like, we just can't be bothered. So we throw up our hands in the air and we say, fine. If the NSA or Russian identity thieves want to collect my digital breadcrumbs so badly, they can have it. Sorry, Ed Snowden. I've got a life. And now you don't. But... Uh, Mic check. Alpha, beta, gamma, There are two other people who appear in Citizen Four. Lambda. Tell me when to stop. (laughs) Two guys who are defying the government in the name of your privacy. Uh, Can I just count to five? (laughs) Even if you and I don't care as much as maybe we should. William Binney, the former NSA cryptographic genius, who actually designed much of the government's data snooping architecture. So whatever resource they need, they get, and it ultimately comes from the people, and it's being used against the people. So that's that's one of the most disturbing parts of it is that our very own tax dollars are being... And Ladar Levison, the man behind the secure email service called LavaBit that was used by Edward Snowden to send those emails to Laura Poitras. We got them together to find out what makes a privacy crusader tick. And in talking to them, we discovered that there are three key reasons that they've turned over their lives to the privacy cause. Okay, so the first reason, moral dilemma. The government asked both of these men to betray one of their core values. Now, if you don't know Ladar Levison, he's been on New Tech City before, and he talked to us while under a gag order. Last year, he talked about when the FBI knocked on his door. They wanted to be able to snoop on the people using his encrypted mail service, LavaBit. It put me in an ethically compromising position, yeah. I was being trusted to run a secure and private service. That's what I advertised. And if I felt that if I was no longer a secure and private service because I was sharing information uh, with the federal government in an uncontrolled and unaudited manner, I would be breaking that promise that I was making through my website. And that was the ethical quagmire that I was placed in. So Levison refuses to turn over the digital keys to his email service, LavaBit. The courts insist. So Ladar hands them over, but he also shuts down the company, so the keys are useless. He basically burns his business to the ground to protect his users' privacy. Ladar was asked to choose between the government and his customers. And because he chose his customers, Ladar assumes that he is constantly being tracked by the government. So... He really is the perfect person to ask, among other things. What about that crazy red cape that Snowden puts over his head in the movie Citizen Four? What's he worried about, that there's, like, cameras somewhere that the NSA can read his password? Or even just a microphone that records the number of key presses that are in his password, because that alone would narrow the problem for somebody trying to guess what it is. You know, if they knew that the password was 11 characters as opposed to 13 or or 10, you know, then they know that they only need to try 11 character combinations. It, of course, becomes more real in terms of a threat when you're talking about a room that might have a camera, maybe even a hidden camera, like in your smoke detector, looking straight down at your keyboard. And it only takes one very small mistake to compromise your security. We refer to it as OPSEC or operational security is so important when it comes to protecting your communications. And even the smallest mistake or oversight 
can cause you to become compromised. And unfortunately, we live in a world today where once that happens, it becomes very difficult to sort of return to a world where your communications are private. I was recently studying World War II, and there's an excellent example there. The reason we were able to break the German encryption scheme, the Tunney system, was because a German uh, communications officer sent the same 4,000-character communication twice without rotating the encryption key. That one very so tiny mistake was what allowed researchers at Bletchy Park in the United Kingdom to break the Tunney encryption system. So it takes only one screw-up if someone is actively trying to get your data. So basically, Ladar says, if you're going to be paranoid, just make sure you're paranoid all the way. That's where he stands after the FBI put him in his moral dilemma. But you might be surprised how William Binney responds. I don't buy into that. That's why I'm doing everything in public. William Binney, or Bill as he's known, is one of the very best code breakers ever at the NSA. He was there for over three decades, cracking encryption from the Soviet Union on up through 9-11. And here's the thing about Bill. He is the one who created some of the amazing NSA programs. He explained one of them to Laura Poitras in a video for The New York Times back in 2012, before the Snowden leaks. After 9-11, they took one of the programs I had done, or the back-end part of it, and started to use it to spy on everybody in this country. So that, that was a program they created called Stellar Wind. Binney never thought that Stellar Wind would be used on U.S. citizens. And he was outraged. He quit the NSA, went public about it. Call him the pre-Edward Snowden NSA whistleblower. So naturally, this ends his career with the government. And it also gets his house raided in 2007 by FBI agents who are looking for evidence. So, but they did that. And they they came in and pointed a gun at me when I I was getting out of the shower at the time. So they pointed a gun right at my old head, you know, and said, hey. So... I wasn't too upset. I just said, uh, yeah, I suppose I can get a, I could get dressed here. <laughs> you know, trying to, they weren't intimidating me anyway. So. That was the fallout of Bill Binney's moral choice. Since then, he's been something of a gadfly to the intelligence community. An extremely smart gadfly who knows exactly what the threat of spying truly entails. Now, here's the second reason he and Ladar keep going. They have faith in us, the uneducated public, and they are willing to tutor us patiently. Bill, for you, you've been talking out about this uh, for, you know, practically a decade now. Are you sort of frustrated that it's taken Ed Snowden and maybe even this movie for, for the general public to recognize what it is that you've been fighting for? Well, yeah, I, I guess it is. It's kind of disappointing that the American public, I mean, you know, the America I used to know anyway, was one that would stand up and fight for every right that was in the Constitution that we had. I mean, we would not take this laying down. And that's basically what's happening with the technology. It seems to make people feel that they want to share everything and they don't care about sharing and stuff like that. But they don't realize the danger of that. For example, if you talk about trying to organize something, Politically, an opposition to what the administration, the current administration is pushing, uh, you become a target. Like, for example, the Tea Party. I mean, 
the IRS is uh, targeting the Tea Party. And, and that's basically one of the principal articles of impeachment of Richard Nixon back in the 70s. And so d- that, Richard Nixon that, didn't have the technological capabilities right, that the agencies correct. have today. I mean, right. we're in a very dangerous place that's where correct. the world is moving so quickly that the morality and the laws behind it can't keep up. Well, what happens is po- people get this power and they get a control of the power and they like it. And so they apply the power to their advantage. That's what's going on. But you say in the movie, Bill, you say that the best way to do things now, the best way to fight against the government is actually what Deep Throat was doing, that that's the only way you could really be sure of your privacy is to meet your source in a parking garage and whisper to them. That's correct. The old-fashioned way, analog. (laughs) And the fact is... Because of the way these capabilities were developed, it's really impossible to think that an individual has the ability to defend themselves. Yeah, it really is. They make it very, very difficult. And and frankly, like, I got to go home and make the dinner. Democracy's got to wait for another day. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to get people's – wrap people's heads around it when life is busy. It, it is. And you can't audit, even if you're you're an expert like myself – I can't audit every device, every application that I use to ensure that it's not opening me up to attack. We we heard in the early days of the Snowden leaks that Angry Birds was actually transmitting private information about people's who they were communicating with and how often to the Angry Birds servers in the clear so that anybody who controlled the network in between could harvest that information and throw it into a database. I mean, so just installing that one free game would open people up to surveillance. Yep, even Angry Birds. Coming up, what the future looks like, and the third reason that Ladar Levison and Bill Binney have dedicated their lives to our privacy. If I couldn't explain it in court, I'd do it on the steps of the court so that everybody would know. And they know I'll do that because I made it perfectly clear to them face-to-face that I was going to do that. What do you think, Ladar? Meet Bill on the steps of the Supreme Court? I would be there. Okay, more about what makes a whistleblower tick. That's coming up in just a minute on New Tech City. By the way, if you missed last week's show, it was about a crazy video game glitch that epidemiologists are studying to figure out ways to contain the Ebola virus. You exploded in a little cloud of blood, and there was this wonderful sound that went, Listeners, you tweeted us, and you said that the episode was fascinating and awe-inspiring. It totally was. And back in real life, I was talking to my friend Nick at the gym. Turns out he was a World of Warcraft fan and remembered the outbreak. He sent this episode to a whole bunch of college buddies, and, um... Nothing like shared memories of Warcraft that can now tie to Ebola. So there you go. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and you're listening to New Tech City from WNYC. And we're trying to figure out what makes a privacy crusader tick. What keeps them going? We're talking with two men I like to think of as the other Ed Snowdens, whistleblower Bill Binney and technologist Ladar Levison. We discovered that there are three key reasons that they've abandoned their livelihoods to fight for your and my privacy. 
Okay, so so far they've had a moral dilemma. They've shown how much faith they have in us, the mostly uneducated public. And now the third reason. They see the future. And they know what their role is in shaping how we live with technology going forward. I think I only really started to understand Ladar Levison's motivation when I asked him about my mom. And that's the real problem, is that somebody like your mom, who doesn't know anything about computers and struggles just to use a simple webmail program, they're not going to understand how to use any kind of today's current encryption technologies. Which makes me think, how on earth are we going to reach a tipping point? How on earth are we going to get the regular population to take a stand on this if they can't even figure it out technically? Well, it's up to the engineers, the people like me, to produce a new generation of both devices and protocols that allow us to communicate securely without necessarily requiring the user to take any special steps to protect their communication. It was exactly a year ago that we spoke to you and you were in this weird sort of Kafka-esque situation where you couldn't even talk about the fact that the FBI was trying to get information from your email service. It was it was like you were living for a couple months in eastern Germany. A year later, you've sort of become one of the key personalities on the privacy scene. How does that feel for you? Is this what you wanted to dedicate your life to? Or did you just sort of step into this? I really view it as a responsibility, one that I would hope any other person in my position would accept the same as I have, which is, you know, everything that happened to me gave me a soapbox to stand upon. And if I'm doing anything, it's trying to use that soapbox to make a positive difference. Levison is working to improve the code behind his old email service, LavaBit, and he's going to release it as a new service called DarkMail. But for Bill Binney, he wants to be your proxy in a U.S. court eventually. He's hoping that the U.S. government sues him for speaking out about his old work at the NSA. Why haven't you fled to Hong Kong or Moscow? Are you being monitored and watched at all times? Uh, Yes, I assume that I am being watched all the time. But uh, the reason I'm not going anywhere is because I want to challenge these people in open court. They're in direct violation of the Constitution, and I want to make that a absolutely clear to everybody and do it in open court where they can't hide. This is what they don't want. They're basically cowards. They know what they're doing is wrong. That's why they've been doing it all in secret. I'm trying to get that out in the open. One of the ways to do that is get them into court. So I've been waiting for them to come at me and let's go to court. I would not buy into a silenced approach. If I couldn't explain it in court, I'd do it on the steps of the court so that everybody would know. Just touching upon what Bill was talking about, I know for 36 years you worked for the agency out of a patriotic sense that you were protecting this country. And I'm just wondering if you feel like everything that you've done in the last 10 years stems from that same sense of patriotic duty. Absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely the case. I mean, I took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States, not the president or the NSA or any other agency in the government. I took an oath to defend those principles. So, Manoush, you you asked us why we do what we're doing, and I think it really comes down to our sense of patriotism, that Mm. this is our responsibility as Americans to speak out against something that we think is wrong in terms of government surveillance and the capabilities that they have. 
They see it as their responsibility as American citizens. Two men and their three reasons for turning their lives over to the privacy cause. And whether you agree with them or not, fascinating stories, don't you think? Okay, for you techie smarty pants out there, when we left Ladar and Bill to their own conversation, when I sort of like took myself out of it, things went deep, deep into the digital weeds, so to speak. It makes mass surveillance technologically impossible because every time they want to intercept a communication, they have to go after the key. Well, yes, but still the externals are, for a traffic analytic approach of building your communities and so on, could still be that. Yeah. So they're, they're we are happy to send that part of the interview to you. Just email us your request at newtechcity at wnyc.org. And everyone, please tell us what you thought of the fears raised by Ed Snowden and the Citizen Four movie. I really want to know, have you tried to encrypt your communications? How hard was it, really? Or maybe you think that this is all just completely over the top and not worth your time. I think that's pretty common. But if you feel that way, even after this episode, please, please explain it to me. Seriously, email us or better yet, say it out loud. Record a voice memo on your phone. Send it to newtechcity at wnyc.org or you can post a comment on our website. You might end up in next week's show. And before we go, I mentioned that the first time we spoke to Ladar Levison, he was under a gag order. That interview was for part of a show about whether there should be an ethical code for technologists, like a Hippocratic oath for techies to do no harm to our data, like doctors do for our bodies. It's the perfect companion to this episode that you just listened to. So check it out at New Tech City. That show is called When the FBI Knocks, because that is actually what happens. There was a a real serious knock at the door, you know. And when I opened the door, there was an agent straight out of central casting with a trench coat. We've linked to that show on the web post for this week's episode over at newtechcity.org. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This is New Tech City from WNYC. Thank you so much for listening. Bill, what kind of dog? He's he's got a, he's a hundred twenty pound German Shepherd. He's, oh, he's bigger than me. So. Wow! I was I was tempted to bring my little pup to the booth with me. <laughs>